Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 Listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Mades. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked on Nuggets podcast, part of Locked on NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades from DenverStiffs.com, largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're here at Media Day, and I'm joined by two excellent guests to my right, is Zach Mikash, host of the Pickaxe Podcast and deputy editor of Denver Stiff. Zach, what's going on? Oh, not much. You you left out the tidbit, uh, best Denver Nuggets podcast, <laughs> which is really what I was going for there. But, uh, you know, it's cool. I, I'm happy to be here, you know, to support Locked On Nuggets, help you try and get this thing off the ground. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. That's so humble of you, man, to come, <laughs> come in and lend a hand like that. Um, well, this was your what? Second media day? Second media day. Third oh. year on Stiffs, but second media day. Basically a vet now. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. I think this is my fourth, wow. but I can't figure out if it was my third or fourth. I that's that's when you know you're that, yeah. when you can't even they just all blur together. Uh, seated to my left is somebody who's definitely too old to remember how many this has been. For hey, him. hey, 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 hey! Whoa, whoa! That's not necessary. <laughs> it is the pros pro Chad Andrews. Chad, thanks for thanks for coming on. It is absolutely my pleasure. I've been uh, around this team since 2001. And I don't think I've been to every media day, but I've been to more than I haven't been to. So you can figure out some math in that regard. And that doesn't even include time prior to this with the Mavericks or anyone else. So, uh, yeah, I've done this a couple times. 2001 would have been a bad media day. And I think 2002 would have been a bad media day as well. Dick Van Exel was awesome. He was a great nugget. And then uh, that trade happened. I actually... um, was pretty involved when those those trade talks were going on and on the air and radio and such and then um then things changed a little bit (laughs) then we went into the world of uh you know junior harrington and vincent yarborough and that was uh that was a different time it's the dark before the (laughs) the light though right that was it was the darkest before the dawn and i think 2002 was as dark as it gets for i mean think think back to skeet i don't know why we're already on a tangent here but it is funny to think back to skeeta because i remember at the time there being all this buzz about him, about the next Dirk and, and, and this or that. And it couldn't have been more inaccurate, inaccurate unfortunately. Yeah, it was uh, – that, that was a big swing and a miss. Uh, <laughs> you know, fortunately, Nene was at the same time. But yeah. uh, when you look back and, you know, Omari Stoudemire was in that draft and, <laughs> and the, uh, the what could have been options, yeah, um, let, let's just say the outlook is a little brighter these days. <laughs> The outlook is brighter, and that's why we're here to talk about Media Day, because we just wrapped up. Uh, All the interviews are done. We're going to be posting, by the time you listen to this, you probably already have seen it. We're going to be posting all kinds of great video content. Chad got tons of great interviews, one-on-one exclusives with a bunch of the Nuggets uh, uh, players. That uh, Some really interesting stuff in there. Zach and myself as well were able to talk to a lot of players and get some good stuff. So let's start out with the coaches' press conference, because that's how the day starts off. We talk with the coaches and the GMs first. What, what's the big takeaway from what they had to say? 
Uh, for me, the biggest takeaway was nine-man rotation um, that, that Coach talked about. He seemed fairly set on that. Last year, we saw, especially at the beginning of the season, he tried to experiment. I think he even got up to like a 12-man rotation at some point, and it just didn't work. So for anything, I, it was one of my biggest questions coming into this, um, what he was going to do there. And if, if anything, it's very, very uh, I don't know what the word I want to look for. It's, I'm happy to hear that he said that it sounds like he's learned and then I don't know how he's going to pull it off with all these players, but I, I thought that was big. See, that's my question is I wonder if nine man rotation is kind of like media day speak for like best shape of your life. Is that just right. the thing you say? You come in like, we're going to have a nine man rotation and this, and then that's, I mean, cause that's easier said than done. I don't, he said nine, he said a lot about what the rotation was going to be. I still, if you asked me, I still don't know what it is. Like, right. I know what he's looking for, but I don't know what players that is. is right. Well, he gave us, I mean, he gave us the obvious stuff. Gary Harris is going to start at the two. Wilson Chandler is going to start at the three. Millsap's going to start at the four. Jokic is going to start at the five. We all knew that. Did he tell us who's going to be the starting point guard? No, that's what we wanted to know. Did he tell us who's going to be the backup power forward? No, that's what we want to know. So that all is still very much out there. And I'm going to say there was, it was interesting because he mentioned those four guys. The point guard spot, which he says is up for grabs. And then he specifically mentioned Plumley and Barton. So I feel like we know six of the people, and then we know two of the people will be the point guards. It'll be two of Jameer, Jamal, and, and Moutier. That's your, that's your rotation, right? Let me see. Are we doing the math? No, we have one more player somewhere to fill in there in, like, the 3-4 range. Well, I, I think you can start going the opposite way. And, I mean, you know Tyler Lydon's not going to play. Oh, He's yeah. going to be a G League player. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, you know, despite Malik Beasley's best efforts, it's probably not going to be court time this year. Uh, you didn't mention Wancho, so, you know, uh -huh. that's Wancho's, who it is. Wancho's your other guy. Um, and you, you kind of work backwards. Um, you know, I, I had a little bit of a different takeaway where, yeah, you know, you talk about the numbers and the rotation or whatever. Um, the most surprising thing to me from the coach's press conference that stood out is they did not say the word playoffs. And that was consistent across Malone, Conley, Arturis. It was, we want to improve. And wherever we land, we land. And I think with the Millsap signing and with the Jokic improvement, the fan perspective, you know, the internet perspective was, well, you know, how good can the Nuggets be? Could they be a five? Or are they, you know, going to be a six seed? Are they going to be battling for that last playoff spot? And it's pretty much been assumed that, okay, they got Millsap. Here we go. They're a playoff team. This is exciting. And the brakes were pumped, I think, significantly by not flat out saying that as a bar. I say, we're going to get better. And then, you know, the West is the West. It's a dogfight. We'll land where we land. We just hope we're better than we were last year. And that, that really stood out to me. That's smart, but come on. We're, we're not fooling ourselves. The, the, if they miss the playoffs this year, it's, it's – I mean, it's, it's clearly a failure. Maybe it's not a disaster, but it's – I mean, I just don't think that the, this team can afford to miss the playoffs. So you're right. You're, I, I didn't even think about it at the time, but you're right that they, they were very careful in their choice of words, but – that seems more external. Internally, I gotta think that they're thinking playoffs. I mean, I would, I would have to think. Here's the thing, Coach Malone. Uh, I believe he has a. They have an option on his contract next season, which would be the final year. Um, man, if if you if you don't make the playoffs and you're thinking, well, maybe we need to make a change. This is the year you're gonna do it. You know, because you're not gonna. You're you don't want him to be. Um, in the last year of his deal coaching the team. So you've pretty much got to decide, are we going to extend him or are we going to go in a different direction? And if, if you don't make the playoffs with this roster, it's hard to see. It's, it's tough because you never know what happens in a season. And, you know, Jokic misses 20 games. Now right, everything right. everything changes. But, but we say that from the outside now. But when you get into a season – 
and Jokic misses and the team loses four games by one point and you think, ah, oh, well, they missed Jokic. But in the moment you're thinking, no, they lost by one and if they would have just made this substitution, they would have won. So I think it's tough, but I think you're kind of right. This is – last year I thought coming into media day, the Nuggets – the number one thing you could say about the season was the Nuggets are going to figure out who they are. And I think they did. They figured out that this wasn't – a Nurkic and Moutier team. Right. This was a this was a Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Nikola Jokic team, and that's very clear. And Moutier might fit in there somewhere, but we don't know yet. Um, I think this season, what you're going to say is we're going to figure out who Malone is. Is Malone the guy for the next two, three seasons, or is is he the guy that gets off at this stop? Right. And that's probably that's probably the biggest question. Um, did you have anything else? No, I mean, I, I think you, you pretty much hit it right there. And what I, what I thought was interesting is is the next two, three years. I. Man, to me, if you look at the end of this season and you're trying to make a decision on that, you got to ask yourself: Is this the guy who's going to get us all the way there? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, because otherwise, I think you're just wasting your time. So, two, three years down the road, the Nuggets still might be like you know a four seed or, or a six seed or something else. To me, I'm looking at it like if they don't feel like the, the coach Malone is going to be the guy to take them to to be able to that they feel like they could win a championship with. Then, then what are you doing at this point? Especially if he doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, I don't. It's just so tough for me. Sometimes I feel like you have to climb one level at a time because you just don't. I, for me, I don't know. I have so many questions about Malone that I can't imagine they'll be answered. Is this the next Greg Popovich by this year? I mean, I, I feel like I just want to know: is he, is he the guy that can carry another year? Is really that's the only question I feel like I can answer. But I, I do. What you got to ask is: is he the next Steve Kerr or is he the next Mark Jackson? Mm, yeah. Ugh. Uh, I think uh, another thing that was interesting, you know, the point guard position is up for grabs, as he, as he puts it. And I think that's fair. I think we all expected, you know, Moutier lost the keys. Jamal Murray kind of stepped in, but is he a point guard? Is he not? <laughs> Chad, what happens if Jamal if Jameer Nelson is the starting point guard at the end of this camp battle? Well, first you're going to deal with disappointed fans. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's your first element. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. And that's not a knock on Jameer Nelson. You know, he's done I'm, I'm everything team that's been asked of him. I'm, 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 I'm the lone guy at Denver Stiffs. You know, I read the comments. I read Twitter. I'm the lone Jameer Nelson fan. I think he's I, I think he's better than people give him credit for. Well, you know, that that's the way the world works in sports. If you're not a Final Four team contending for a championship, fans want to see the future. And they yeah. want to see it now. And, you know, again, that's nothing against Jameer. Um, when Michael Malone sat up at the podium, and said that the NBA is different now, and we discovered last year that we're going to play through Nicola, and now we have Paul to add to that, and you don't necessarily need a traditional John Stockton point guard. When he made that comment, that indicated to me today before practice starts, Jamal Murray is going to have every opportunity to take that job. Now it's up to Jamal Murray to take it. That's exactly what I took away, and that was kind of what I was getting at, was it seems like, yeah, it's up for grabs, as in he's not going to hand it to Jamal the way. You know, Moutier's rookie season, he was kind of handed the keys. It was, we're going to, whatever happens, we're going to let him do it. I think it was more of a we're a safety net for in case Jamal comes out and looks terrible, which I don't think anybody expects, but but we, we're not going to just, we're not going to put the cart before the horse on this thing. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't think... I, I'm, I'm with Chad 100%. Like, I, I think they're going to give him every single opportunity, and I think if it's close, even if you think, no, nah, you know what, Jameer might be a little bit better right now. Like, we're not – it's not March. It's it's November, or it's October when they're starting this off. I think if it's close, they're going to roll with Jamal and figure out, hey, can he – you know, can he do it? Get him some more game time. Can he actually be the guy? If, if Jameer Nelson is the starter, 
obviously whatever's I mean then because you'd assume Jamal's going to be your backup so at that point like what what's Moutier still doing here you know well I think that's going to be my personal opinion is that'll probably be the case it's one of the most interesting questions but my my thought right now is that Moutier is going to be out of the rotation on this team well what does he have to do I mean if you're going in with the mindset that it's Jamal Murray's to prove that he can earn it and Jameer is there as a safety net what does Moody have to do to even get any kind of run or consideration whatsoever? It's got to be a dramatic jump and a dramatic change like the likes of a third-year Gary Harris jump. Right. And it's got to be shown in camp without the opportunity to do it over the course of games and go, you know, light bulb, come on, oh, we really have something here. No, he's got to do it in practice. And I don't, I don't know if that leap can be made in that amount of time in that environment. It, I mean, it's it's quite the task for Emmanuel. I think that you're 100% right because it's kind of put like this way. If Jamal is 90% of what Jameer is, just from a productivity standpoint, he gets the starting job. Right. Moody needs to be like 200% of what both of them are just to be the backup. It's, it seems because of what you said, it's hard to, it's hard to prove in one month what, what we've seen for two years. Well, and, and the other element is, is, okay, maybe you decide Jamal can go as a starter and we're going to go with this and we're going to let him grow. And you go to Jameer as a veteran, as a leader, and go, you're still going to close. We have to win one possession, two possession games in the fourth quarter if we're going to get one of the playoff seeds in the West. And we can't afford to screw this up down the stretch. And you know what? We've got a guy we believe in. We think he's going to be not just a star, a superstar. He's going to start. He's going to get minutes. But when we need you to close, we need you to be there to close. I mean, that, that's always an option. So let's move on to the players. Um, we got a lot of a lot of interviews. Media day, so the way it works, people, that if you haven't seen, the players come out, there's chairs set up on the practice court, and they come out all at the same time or mostly at the same time, and you just kind of, it's kind of a mad scramble. That's why it's so hard to cover media day, you know, coherently all at once because there's so much going on. So, Zach, what player, you know, what player or what quote stood out to you the most today? Uh, the player that stood out to me the most was the guy who's the last, very last guy on the roster. Well, I guess we didn't see Josh Childress when I think about it, but uh, <laughs> that's a good point. After Josh Childress, it, it, Tory Craig, I thought was, I thought he was a great interview. He had a lot of interesting tidbits of, um, about. I'm Australia. such a fan. Yeah, he's, right, and he was, um, he was cool. I got, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit about. Uh, he's got a, he's got a, a son who's, who's around the same age as my daughter. So we talked a little bit about that. Like it was really cool more personal interview than you would normally i think it wasn't talking to x's and o's um in basketball if i was going to say one thing i took out of any of the interviews that was really um eye-opening to me was definitely what Jokic and his comments on serbia and and, and that whole part which i think we'll, we'll probably get into so. no let's get into it because that was one of certainly one of the top five things i i took away and i've known this you know we know nicola we've been around him he loves Serbia. I mean, he's all about Serbia. Everything he says is Serbia. I mean, it's just so much Serbian pride. And we know that this summer, you know, he wanted to play for the team. We don't know whose decision it was, but we know that Serbian fans were really upset about it. So I've been, I hadn't had a chance to talk to him about it last year. We didn't know what his decision would be, but finally got a chance to talk to him today. And he looked, I thought, absolutely dejected. Like his, he, today he was joking around nonstop. He is just a joker. He's lighthearted. This, that question came up. Everything changed, and you could tell it really, really affects him. Well, keep an eye out. 
on Denver Stiffs when the the one on one I did with with Jokic comes up because it was the first question I asked him about a big summer with the decision not to play in Eurobasket, and the takeaway was yes he he was hurt because of the pushback the blowback he got from it, but he went on repeatedly about how tired he was from last season and from the Olympics before that and playing for the national team and, you know, fighting for a playoff spot and, you know, the minutes he took on. And he just reiterated over and over, I was tired. I was exhausted. I was spent. I did not have anything to give. I needed to take a break. I needed to check out, recover, and then I needed to focus on rebuilding my body, you know, rebuilding my strength and my energy and moving forward towards this season. He said, because even if I would have played, like I, I didn't have anything in the tank to go do that. I try to be so empathetic, you know, especially when we're talking about people of other cultures. And we have a lot of Serbian followers. I have a lot of Serbian listeners to the show. And, you know, I don't, I don't understand from their perspective the, the basketball means a lot more to them than I think it does to us, even as Nuggets fans. Like, the right. Serbian team means more. The culture, I know there's a lot of, you know, importance for the, for the culture and, and, and all of that. I don't understand that when I can't empathize with them for some of the hateful things. Like, today, it was the most viral, viral tweet I had today was the one about Nikola Jokic, you know, his comment. And I'm just getting nonstop Serbian people, you know, F him, screw, you know, all these types of slurs against him. And I'm just thinking... I don't understand it. I can understand being upset. I can understand being disappointed. This is the guy that's going to be the best player from Serbia ever when it's all said and done, in my opinion. I don't think, I, I mean, I think that that's, that's certainly on the table and probably likely. Sure. What is, the, he's 22 years old? Yeah, what 22. Is, right? I mean, I just don't understand how people can be this mad about it. Here's the thing, too, and, 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 and I'm with you. Like, I try, I try to take a step back because you're right, especially playing for your national team. In, in America, we don't care because we know we can throw out any mixture of 50 guys and probably go out and dominate. Mm. You know, maybe, all right, now it's like 25. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and in Serbia, obviously, I mean, it's way more important. And so I try to understand that. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a game. It's a game. Yeah. Like, and he was talking about, you know, how people were, were sending stuff to his family and stuff like that. Like, that is it is just crossing the line, um, and, and and I so I, I can't empathize with that either, and I can't and I can't like sit there and say oh you know it's okay, but it's like like I said it's a game man like there there's a point where you have to say this is not worth taking this out on someone personally. Like it so clearly affected him, and not in the way I think you know maybe a Serbian fan is hearing this and thinking oh we're getting to him and now he'll play. It didn't affect him that way. It affected him in a way of like wow this is this is the response that I you know that I'll get is it is almost. It almost seemed, and he didn't. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it almost seemed like, uh, is it worth it then? Like, if they only love me because I do what they tell me, then that, then what am I other than a puppet? So he didn't say it. I'm, this is not Jokic. This is Adamara saying this, but I, that was that was a, a, that really stood out to me. Did you have something on it? Oh, I just like I said, he he went in depth when I spoke with him one on one. So watch out for that, and you know you can take from it what you will. Um, yes, it hurt him, but I do think he handled it and he moved on, and he created a priority list and he prioritized his rest and his health and his physical shape for the nuggets this season going forward uh, i do think he will go back to the serbian national team in the future right. and i do think he will play i just think it was the set of circumstances from the olympics into last season and the way it went down and the way it ended that it was a a one-off deal and trust me, when there's another opportunity and he plays and, you know, all will be forgiven and he will be he will be their savior again for the national team. Right. Right. And maybe even on a bigger stage. Who knows? Maybe a, a, a another Olympic silver or maybe even a gold. You know, who knows? I think they'll forgive him if they pull a, a, 
uh, Argentina <laughs> and come up with the upset of the century. Um, let's move on to the positive stuff with Joker, though, because I thought he looked good. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's comical. I'm like everybody that knows I never tweet this stuff out, but I'm, I'm paranoid about Nikola Jokic's body because I, I, I just know that's the one thing holding him back from being like a top 10 player. I thought he looked good. Um and he seemed lighthearted. He seemed he seemed really casual, ready to go. What did you, what did you think of the non? Yeah, yeah, no. Every, everything else was was uh, the Joker as usual. You know, I mean, he was he was a real casual guy. Um, I asked him what do you what he wanted to do or what he enjoyed the most about this off season, and it was uh, it was all about it was it's still all about you know he was talking about his horse um and how much he really liked and enjoyed that and getting to go back to somber. And his horse that. only only one first place, two second places. I was disappointed. Two second, yeah, that is. Uh, I didn't I didn't get that, but. That that, uh, e- either way, he's still proud, you know. And I mean, so everything else Jokic was was talking about was just like you know every everyday typical type of Jokic stuff. So um, I'm with, I'm not as concerned as you about the about the body. Uh, I think Nicole's proven he can already do a lot, um, being one of the least athletically gifted players in the league. <laughs> but um, but he looked good. Yeah, no, I I thought Nicole is. Uh, I think he's gonna be just fine. He knows it's an issue, and he knows it's a priority. That's why he did what he did this summer by not playing. And he made it a point to tell me, you know, I did things this summer I've never done before. And I pushed myself in ways that I didn't know I could. So, I mean, we have to keep in mind his age. You have to keep in mind his background and where he comes from. Okay. It's a different world open to him now when every first class training opportunity on the planet is going, hey, I can help you with this. And he has, you know, choices and options. It's all new, okay? It's going to continue to progress. But he did buy into it. He did do it. He is starting to put in the work, and he sees how it can benefit him from a conditioning standpoint on the defensive end of the floor. Like, he gets it. But let's just keep in mind his age, his background, and not expect him in one offseason to, you know, come out looking like LeBron and be chiseled or anything. You know, he knows it's a priority. And I think, you know, he'll start to see some of the benefits and, you know, he can continue that as he gets older. Let me ask you this, Chad. I, I'll ask you this while we got, I have you here. What is realistic expectations for Jokic, statistic-wise? And, and also just, you know, because it's interesting. He's a polarizing player. And, and any stat you throw out that's realistic for him is like the first time it's ever been done. But what, what do you expect from him statistically and also impact-wise? Well, I mean, impact is, you saw last year what it possibly could be, and it, it's such a fascinating exercise to think with Millsap and the ball movement. And if everybody will engage the way Gary Harris did, that's just, you know, ideal scenario. Everybody wants to cut and everybody wants to move and the ball wants to keep moving. You know, it, it's very interesting. Um, you know, he's a phenomenal passer, and I think there are people all, you know, Jokic could average nine assists a game. Well, he's not going to average nine assists a game. It's right. It's not going to happen. He had nine assists, um, like seven or eight. I mean, he had six triple doubles, and I think every time it was because he got the ten, nine or ten assists. I, I think expectations for him this year, first and foremost, conditioning to stay on the court and eliminating the silly frustration, stupid fouls, so his minutes increase. Okay, Once you increase the minutes, I think the reasonable expectation is to just be consistent. Okay, and yeah, are there going to be breakout games like the way he just lit up Porzingis last year? Sure, and you'll love to see that when it happens. But if you can consistently be at 18 points a game and a double-digit rebounder and then have an effect on the game passing without committing silly fouls, without having to sit because you're in foul trouble, without getting gassed and winded all the time, the team is going to win. And it doesn't mean that 
because he's doing things statistically that other players have never done. He needs to be a 30-point-a-night guy. That, that's not who he is. It's not the way this team is going to operate. But I think the consistency to where you don't have, you know, the periodic letdowns once every two weeks or every three weeks, you know, with a seven-point game and there's only four rebounds and he's in foul trouble the whole night. Eliminate those every night. You know he's going to give it to whoever is guarding him. And as long as he's consistent and, you know, the team is relatively healthy, then they're going to win. I already think that Jokic is one of the most consistent players I've ever watched, like at this level, on a permanent basis. As you said, the problem is he can't always play 30-plus minutes. Right. And some of it I think Coach will leave him out there a little bit longer this year. Last year a little bit of a quicker hook. But, Zach, what do you, just give me a, a stat line that you expect for him this year. What, do you, what are your expectations in general and a stat line? My, so, well, my expectation, I'm actually probably one of the more reserved people on Nicole. I I just don't know how much you can more you can squeeze out of that orange. Why are you a hater, man? I'm not a hater. I, man, I, I am a huge Jokic fan, and I have been for so long. But uh, it's he's so good already, and and that's what I've always said. Is like if you're expecting Jokic to make a leap, like how much more of a leap can he make? Because the leap that he would make is reserved for the very few who become. You know, he's at that point right now where he's like borderline star, so he's going to make it to being a perennial star, superstar type player. I mean, you're talking about maybe ten guys in the league who have that. As far as averages, I, I mean, I'm a lot on what Chad says. Like, if you think Jokic is going to average 30 points a game or anywhere close to 30 points a game, I think you're going to be disappointed. If you think he's going to average close to 10 assists a game, I think you're going to be disappointed. For me, the high end of what he should average, would I would be incredibly pleased if he does if he's like 18 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. Like, that would be great. Yeah, see, I actually think that'll be his line. I think 19 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, I think is – and the funny thing about that line is I think it'll be relatively consistent. Yeah. I think he'll have a few 30-point games, not many, but a few, and I think he'll have a few 10-point games, but I think for the most part he's going to – every night it's going to be 18, 11, and 6. Right. You know, 19, 10, and 5. That's just going to be always pretty – it's always right there. So um, let's move on. And actually, Chad, I should throw this to you because you saw it. Zach and I were down. Kenneth Free didn't come out for whatever reason. Every year at Media Day, he's it, it's kind of like this, where he's not out right away, then he comes out at the end. Um, but he was an interesting one. I think he's the story of the day. A uh, big chip on his shoulder. Very big. Um, you know, didn't back down at all from saying, you know, I've been here when we won 57 games in the good times. And he said, now these are the down times. And he called this the down times. And he, you know, was very – you know, he very forcefully said, you know, you guys don't know what I've been doing and what I've been working on, and I like it that way. I'm, you know, doing things to improve my game, and you will see that I deserve minutes on this team. And, you know, he he was speaking in a very forceful tone that indicated, you know, he is not the happiest guy right now coming in, but that he is out to prove something as well to show that, you know, he, he's the longest tenured nugget. He has been on this roster longer than any other player, and he thinks that he deserves the minutes he's going to get. And he made a point to say that I am going to play the minutes I'm going to play, whether it is here or on one of the other 29 teams in the league. Wilson Chandler, when Nurkic got traded last year, Wilson Chandler had kind of an interesting tweet. or you know, He responded to somebody on Twitter, and it wasn't he wasn't talking directly about Nurkic, but he was, and it was – you know, somebody saying, why did he tank his value and do this and demand a trade? And Wilson said, look, if you don't do that, they won't trade you. And I wonder with Fareed last year, he was, you know, a little vocal, but not much. He was a trooper. He came off the bench for a lot of it and did whatever and didn't say much. And I wonder if 
he expected to be traded, and he sees Millsaps here, Plumlee's resigned, and thinking, and he Miles sees the writing sliding. on the wall and says, "I'm not playing this year." And now it's no more behind the scenes. I'm coming out in public, and for him, maybe that was the smart move. It uh, we saw we saw last year. It's so funny because we saw how it can go both ways. Uh, Nurkic caused a giant stink, got traded. Wilson Chandler caused kind of a little stink. Yeah, here that's and there. different. Those are different levels of stink, man. Wilson Chandler showed up and did his job when, the, saying, when, the, when he had to check that's in. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like Wilson was still a good trooper and did what he had to do, even though he was clearly upset and he got stuck here. Like, uh, and now and and I want to say this right now. It sounds like Wilson and all that stuff's past him. He was he was very uh, positive today, but so. Fareed, maybe, yeah, maybe he's looking at that. I was like, oh, man, Wilson was a good trooper, and he, he still was here, whereas Nurkic just, you know, totally kind of gave up, and he got out of here. So, and not saying that Fareed's going to give up. It doesn't sound like that's what he wants to do, but maybe maybe he's thinking maybe if I'm more vocal, it'll help me get to where I want to be. Let's move on to Wilson, though, because I think that's actually a good segue. I enjoyed talking with him. I talked to him just off record today, but I took away the same thing that you did today that uh, he – Last year, whatever issues he had are in the past, and he feels that this year he's very optimistic about not only his role, but just that everything – it sounds like he's in a good place with the Denver Nuggets this year. Do you get the same impression? Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the, the very first question I asked Wilson was I said, hey, at the press conference, Coach Malone said you are the uh, the starter at the number three. Uh, how how big of a relief is that? And he was not – I mean, he didn't sugarcoat. He said that's a huge relief. And he said – and it's so great exactly what you're saying, Adam, that everybody kind of knows what to expect – we know where we're going. We know who's going to play what. So that that you can put that out of your mind, and then you can just go play basketball. And I think for him, the starting thing, I honestly think this, and he even said it to me as much today, I don't think he cares so much about starting, not starting. I really right. think it's about the role being consistent and knowing what it's supposed to be. And, Chad, you had an interesting – was it you that had an interesting quote from somebody today, or maybe it was Matt Moore telling us that – I think it was Kenneth Freed saying, when George Carl was here, we all knew our job and we had just gotten in line and, and now we don't. Was that you? Yeah, Kenneth Fareed mentioned that, um, that basically everybody on the team, in a 57-win team, knew exactly their role and what they were supposed to do on the court. And he said, we need to figure that out because we don't know it right now. Guys are doing you know, things that they're not capable of doing or not supposed to be doing. Um, you know, So, again, he, he was coming from a, a very unique perspective that I don't think any other player – out there today was coming from with his individual situation but um you know when it comes comes to wilson chandler hey let let's just big picture everything i mean this should be the season he plays more minutes than he ever has for any team okay is he, he is played he, like 32 last year though which okay, was quite is, a bit is is he going to be on the court for 82 games Ooh, yeah. because that i mean that above all else is going to affect you know what this team does when you're looking at the thinnest position if if you aren't a believer in Wancho yet. I mean, he's going to carry a heavy load, yeah. and he's got to be healthy. I mean, plain and simple. And, you know, there's there's no answer to that when we sit here right now on media day. Well, here, I'll come back to you real quick because the one guy I didn't really get a great chance to talk to today was Paul Millsap. Um, he was the most popular guy here, I think. Uh, How did your conversation with him go? Uh, you know, he's very, very understated, as you expected. Yeah. You know, the the Utah superstar that <laughs> developed in this league. And actually, I, I think that's part of the reason why he's such a great fit here in Denver. You know, he's not a big coastal spotlight guy. You know, he's a guy who wants to do his job. Um, you know, he said everything is going to take time. 
Um, but he has no issue at all stepping in as one of the leaders. And the four uh, consigliere's uh, Michael Malone ha- has tabbed to give him advice for not only on-court stuff but off-court stuff. Paul Millsap is already going to step into that role, being new to the roster, which I found kind of interesting despite his, his experience and obviously his accolades. But, um, you know, he, he is not going to rush things. And I, I think um, he, like everyone else, knows – he can make a big impact in this training camp on the team defense side of the ball and getting everyone to buy in and really focus because I mean, that's what practice is going to be, at least for the first week or two weeks. It's going to be defense. And I think Paul Millsap is a guy who is going to have to have a voice because he carries the hammer of being an all-star and all-defensive player. Dude is and- ripped. Yeah. Oh no, he's no, he he definitely has the NBA body. He's There's a no specimen, question, man. But um I I think you know, the value of Paul Millsap on the court we all know and it, it's undeniable. But the value in training camp, he is going to need to step up immediately as a vocal leader on this team if the team defense is going to improve because he's the one guy that can point to a track record and say I've done it, and it's led me to the playoffs. Yeah, I think that the thing I take away from Paul Millsap isn't anything he said today, but I asked a lot of players about him. They are all – they're very quick to heap praise on him, which I think he's such a humble guy that they're fine with that. You know, sometimes when there's a guy that knows he's the the, the guy, it's kind of annoying to give him credit. Right. Everybody was so quick to be like, oh, man, Paul Millsap, so fun playing with him. He does whatever it takes. I think guys like him already on the roster. Right, yeah. Well, I think, you know, the interesting thing about Millsap that they, they really haven't had is they've had guys like like uh, Mike Miller, even a Jameer Nelson, who, who like, I, uh, going back to what we were saying earlier, I, I agree with you guys. I thought we got all we could out of Jameer last year. Um, but Millsap is this first time really since Michael Malone or even Brian Shaw has been here that it's like, okay, this guy is a veteran who's been in the league for a long time, but also that he's one of the top players in the NBA. So I think that gives him a certain cachet with these other players where they have this respect to not only know like, yeah, he's seen it, he's been everywhere, but he's also done it at such a high level. Like that's a guy we want to listen to. That's a guy we want to learn from because I want to get to where he is. Who else stood out today? Um, I'm trying to think. Did you talk to Will Barton? I did not talk to Will did Barton. Did you talk to Barton? What, what did he have to say? Uh, I did talk to Will Barton, and uh, I I went in with the idea of tossing out six man of the year as a possible goal for him, and before I could get to it, he stated that his goal is to be a starter and an all-star in this league. So uh, his, his mindset may be a little bit different than – how uh, he is currently viewed as fitting into this roster. But, uh, you know, he said, you know, all the typical I put in the work this summer, you know, I'm ready to step up because he views this as, you know, what is he, 26, entering the prime of his career. Like, it, it, is, it is go time now. Like, he's developed, and now it's time for the development to, to show and make a difference. I think Barton is like Gary Harris in that he's in, he's just in love with the grind. I think that's a guy that just right. enjoys being in the gym a lot and, and and working out. I'm curious. I 
He's young enough. We we think about the young guys and oh, Gary's going to get better at this. And that. Barton's young enough too that he's getting like right. he. He's, it's he's not out of the question that he made a leap this summer, right? And is like a, and a vastly improved player. I'm not betting on it, but it's possible. You know, you know, another guy. I'm, I'm going to segue for you here. Another guy who loves to grind is Jamal Murray, um, and that is that is one guy I did get a chance to talk to um, quite a bit, and, and he really did. I mean, Jamal's Jamal is an interesting guy in interviews because he's never going to give you a ton, but uh, he did mention that like. Yeah, yeah, those sports hernias did affect him and that like it was, you know, it's right in the core of your body. So basically every single thing that he did, um, it was being affected by the fact that that he had this injury. And but he's you know, he was very clear that he's 100 percent ready to go. He took the time at the beginning of the offseason to make sure he got his rehab right um, and he's good to go now. So that's uh, that's a guy. Man, when we talk about the season and, and, and the keys to it, that. I think it starts and ends with Jamal Murray. So he he looks like I think he's poised for a big year, and I think that his health is going to play a big part of it. What I like about today is it's kind of our last day in the dark. Like all right. these questions, things start to come to light tomorrow. We'll have training camp. What's the story coming out of training camp? And and obviously we're not going to get a whole lot tomorrow, but it it just starts to trickle in, and the picture kind of starts to come together. We start to see, okay, this is what's this is what's shaping up. This is who's looking good. And then of course Saturday we get a first look at the. At the team, I think an illegal stream online look. Yeah, but <laughs> was, well, altitudes—they're—they're they're doing a couple this year. I know, but I don't know if they're doing this first one. We'll have to find out. Right. I, I'm not sure about it, but um, no, it's great. Any final thoughts about Media Day today? I thought, relative to now that I've been to four, the, the, the first year I went, you know, it was Javale McGee and, and uh, Ty Lawson. That was a very different different Media Day. But I thought, I thought it. There was a little bit more optimism, I would say, from the players, um, and and probably a little bit more cohesion than I think I've seen from aside from Kenneth Reed, of course, but just a lot of guys talking about each other and, and kept in touch with each other over the summer. Yeah, I I, I think um, you know a lot of them mentioned the the scrimmages they're doing right now and stuff, and and, and coach mentioned this, and, and Tim Connolly mentioned this in the press conference that they they asked their guys to put in the work this off season and to be in Denver and to they had a, a mini camp in Atlanta and then to come here early before camp, and it seems like. For the most part, everybody's buying into that, and they're and they're they're excited, and, and they they want to put that work in because they think it'll take them somewhere. I I think the Atlanta camp is an interesting exploration because you add you know an All NBA player, and guys who are currently here went to him, basically, and I don't know that in the you know sixteen seventeen years I've been around here that. There's been a whole lot of guys that if a situation like that occurred, it, it would have went down that way. Um, you know, I, I can't speak, obviously, because it, it's yeah. a hypothetical. But um, I, I found that interesting. I, you know, I would like to get a little more insight and know about those sessions and who all was involved, how long they were, what, what went on. Because that, to me, I, I think is going to be a key as to how fast they can get started and jump ahead of the curve tomorrow and get moving on training camp. I think the Nuggets have two not just good but great vets this year in Jameer and, and Millsap. And people, you know, people hate Jameer. Jameer's a great vet, man. I always tell this story. I think I told it on the podcast last year. This was actually a Matt Moore story that he shared with me. But when uh, Malik Beasley got sent down to the D-League, you know, one time, the announcement comes out right after a game. So we're all in the locker room. And they're kind of everybody's kind of saying goodbye to Malik. Or actually, I don't even know if everybody was saying goodbye. But Jameer walks over and tells him, he says, hey, man, you got money. Because you're going to Sioux Falls, man. You might have, right. you might not have had time to go to the bank and, and grab your nice clothes or this or that. He just said, hey, you got money. I got some money. You need you know, a thousand bucks, two thousand, whatever. And that's just 
something I think a guy that's been around the league knows. Malik's getting ready to go to Sioux Falls, and if he doesn't have his winter coat, he's going to have to buy one when he gets there. So, you know, just little things like that. I think right. I, I, I think the Nuggets have two very and, – and losing Mike Miller hurts because I think Mike Miller was a different kind of vet. He was more of a vocal – you know, he's not playing, so he has a different role. But I think they got two guys that are going to be playing that – I just think everybody's going to respect and fall in line behind, whether whether behind in the rotation or behind just just from their leadership perspective. It's so funny with Jameer because this this was my very first. I, I, I say it's my first. Uh, this isn't TV anymore. Experience uh, it was last year on Media Day when I, I tried to ask Jameer about uh, you know wide-eyed not knowing what I was walking into tried to ask him about you know being a mentor and, and helping out the young guys and man he just went off on me about how he's not a mentor he's not a guidance counselor he's here to play. Um, but I think it's funny because he is. I mean, he he definitely does fill that role. I, he just doesn't want to brag about it. I think they're very aware. Players in general are very aware of. Uh, he doesn't want to mislead. He's not. He wasn't Mike Miller. Is what he was saying. Right. And no offense to Mike Miller, but he wasn't here to be a coach that was getting paid as a player. He was here to play. And oh yeah, I'm going to do all those things. But I'm here to play. And if this, and I'm sure in Jameer's mind, if it really is an open spot for Sparting point guard, he's not here to let Jamal Jamal figure out how to win it. He's going to go kick his butt in practice. Oh, yeah. and, and so. so you know, I, I'm a big Jameer fan. I know, I know, I'm with everybody else. I want to see Moody and Jamal succeed, um, and I hope Jamal wins the starting lineup because I hope that because that means he's even better than Jameer. But I just like I think Jameer is a is a, a very good player and a very good leader. Um, let's wrap it up there, guys. This was a good pod. Media days here. I'm so excited. Zach knows we have a we have a private thread with uh, Stiff's writer. I've been so pumped for a week. I've been we, so excited. I, I am very pumped to not have stuff come up from you on the private thread. That, like some <laughs> off minor tweet. Like, hey, guys, can we aggregate this into a story or something? Like, Everybody just says no. Be gone. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true. It's true. But at least now we don't have to do that. That's true. Chad, anything before we get out? No, it was just, I mean, you look at the calendar. It was just crazy. There was there was literally no off season. And now we're back <laughs> on the court. And, you know, Mello gets traded yesterday and shows up in Oklahoma City. And Dwayne Wade gets bought out last night. And now they're bouncing balls. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's it's great to see the way things have progressed. And, you know, the opportunity to talk about the team in the league year around that, that you know, there's that much interest in. Um, this is certainly going to be a league pass alert team this year, no question, one way or another. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We're going to have podcasts every day of the week. I'm going to be at training camp, I think. Uh, are you going to be there, Chad? No, nah, probably not this week. Zach, any, any going to make it down there? Maybe once or twice. Uh, Thursday. Thursday should be Thur- Thursday for sure. So we'll, But Denver Stiffs will have somebody there covering it every single day. So uh, be sure to check it out and check out the pod. And... Uh, and then check out all the videos because we did a, a lot of a lot of great videos today. I'm excited to post. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back next time. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17